SAFM 104-107 to Nationwide The Viewpoint 8-10pm Flipping conventional wisdom on its head on SAFM. We continue a conversation that is quite easily the longest conversation I've ever had on this platform. It started at 8 o'clock on Thursday and we are still having it at half past 8 on a Monday. Ma'am, good evening. Thank you so much for your time. We're talking, of course, about the depiction of women in South African history. And you would know that you left the conversation when you were still responding to you saying you have trouble with Women's Month and Heritage Month because you were going to tell us what is happening on September the 23rd or is it September the 26th? This was all on the basis that are these months doing enough to create the necessary discourse and uncomfortable discussions even about the emancipation of women as is Women's Month or Heritage Month for Heritage. Good evening. Good evening, Songezo, and thank you for having me and good evening to your listeners. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I really do have a problem with, you know, these um, these months. They feel more like PR stunts than they do um as an opportunity, you know, than they do, you know, a space, than they do as providers for a space to take stock of how far we've come as a nation. We are pretty much a, a very young nation, and a lot of the history that, um, you know, that has taken place in the past, you know, 30 years, for example, you know, it is it, still very fresh for so many people because the people that have survived apartheid, a lot of them are still with us. So, for example, today marks the 28th anniversary of the Bishop Massacre. And how many people are actually talking about this? Um, you know, there are certain histories that go beyond just the idea of dressing up and celebrating various ethnicities. Um, and I think we also don't think about the fact that um, we don't use, I think it would, it would be far more meaningful, for example, to use Heritage Day as a way of, you know, fostering a sense of, you know, of, of, of unity, especially amongst African people because of how we have survived a divide and conquer strategy that has led to, you know, tribalism and so on. We could use this day to sort of you know, retrace our steps, take stock of how far we've come, and reaffirm, you know, the um, commit or reaffirm and recommit ourselves to advancing, you know, a far greater and far more meaningful, a far more, you know, um, yeah, far more intentional unity that is far greater substance. Um, I would much rather prefer that we celebrate or think through, because the 24th of, of September is also what people call uh, Shaga's Day, it would be really interesting for people to have conversations about that history and its meaning and, you know, just think through, you know, the events around that particular king's rule and how it has led us to this point in our history today. I would much rather prefer mm-hmm. those things. And I would also prefer for us to look back on, you know, the history of women's involvement and in the campaign and anti-past campaigns that precede the 9th of August, 1956, such as what I'd mentioned on Thursday, um, the anti-past campaign organized and led by uh, the uh, the women, 
um, who would later form the Bantu Women's League that would later become the ANC Women's League, led by Charlotte Matraitis on the 23rd of September 1913. The depiction of women in South African history in Domzikona, Valela, historian and author, talking to us about the importance of how we have to change how our history is told so that we can respond to the present day challenges accordingly. How do we then celebrate Winnie How do we celebrate Togombumlwana, Tenju Mtinzo, Bernard Ngube, Cheryl Carolus, Preg's governor? How do they come to the fore of the history about the struggle in this country that whilst it is there, it is swept mm. under the carpet. It is not talked about. It is not known. It is called the 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 erasure, Atambile Masola, who you know very well, talks about that. The erasure of women, black women in particular, from the role in the struggle towards the freedom that many of us now take for granted. How should we change that? Because that it should change is beyond question. It must. Mm. I think the first thing is to understand that um, women have been a mainstay in the liberation movement. They were there at every point of, at every turning point, at every watershed moment of our history. For example, the 60th anniversary of Shapo is this year. Women were there. Um, we need to talk more about the Julia Ramasholas who were there. We need to talk more about even, you know, the aftermath of Shapo, the state of emergencies that took place. It was mainly a lot of women who were, um, who were arrested and were interrogated and were, you know, held incommunicado in, um, as a, in the aftermath of um, that event. I'm talking about the first woman to join the, the first black woman to join the South African Communist Party, Josie Bama, for example. Um, people like Bessie Head as well, some of the people that were arrested as a result of the Sharpeville massacre, the aftermath of the Sharpeville massacre and the state of emergencies that followed. Whenever we talk about the history of our country, we need to understand that women were very much involved and especially when men were targets of arrests and long-term incarcerations, they kept the fires burning. They were part of resuscitating and regrouping, especially when we think about this period 60 years ago, right? So when the state of mm. emergency happens, when movements are banned, it is mostly the men that have to literally uh, become invisible um, in terms of going underground and whatnot because they had become you know, the most visible of, um, of figures, especially during the defiance campaign. It became women who started mobilizing and regrouping the movements underground and recruiting. They were the ones who were couriers. They were the ones who were, you know, who were, who were uh, starting cells and so on. For example, this month will mark the 50th anniversary of um, Mam Winima Digizela's re release from solitary confinement on the 14th of September 1970. She was arrested precisely and among uh, some women activists who include Joyce Kakane Rankin, who include Mamruta Nzanga, um, Shantini Naidu has actually written a book on, the, on what happened to those women who were tortured on solitary confinement in 1969. Part of the reason they were arrested was because of how they were mobilizing 
uh, coming up with pamphlets, rebuilding movements underground, recruiting people for MK. Women like um, the 11th of September will mark the formation of um, of Cork or what then would become APLA. The first woman to join um, the underground movement was Nombo Boy. She was the first woman arrested for underground activities. When, when we think about the historical events, whenever we think about historical events that take place, we must never think about them without the women who were active participants and also sometimes at the forefront of mobilizing liberation movements, of having them regroup once they've gone underground. Fascinating. We're in conversation with Ndombizukona Valela, historian and author, very much in the deep about how women in South Africa have been depicted and perhaps how they should have been depicted. I'm going to just pick a name. It's hardly arbitrary given her work, but I'm going to pick a name so that you can actually give a name and a face to all of this. I respect Mama Winnie, but I'm going to slightly defer there. Here is a name that is as big a name as her predecessors. Granddaughter mm. to John Tengu, daughter to Davidson, Davidson Don Tengu. Jabavu. Of course, I'm talking about Umamunoni Jabavu. What she has mm. done is what her father and grandfather have done, but only on steroids, not just on the continent, but beyond. And yet the name Noni Jabavu is less known than that of her parents and grandparents. Mm. Um, absolutely. And I think we owe so much to, you know, Umamuma Kwasazanaklaba for the work that she has done to unearth that history. I think when you look up any sort of research and scholarly work and articles that exist right now, we owe so much, we owe a huge debt to that scholar first and foremost. Um, and you are absolutely right when you talk about the erasure of someone like Umam Chababu, because not only does she come from this dynasty uh, this publishing dynasty, this writing dynasty, like you say, she took it further. Um, and it's so important to, when we think about, you know, um, writing in this country, when we think about memoir writing in this country, um, we need to think about her. I mean, this, is, this year marks the 60th anniversary of her first, of, 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 of the first uh, memoir that she published. So I think, you know, when we, when we, when we do, when we, when we sort of recollect the history, when we put together the archive and so on, it's so important for us to also remember the women who form part of these important genealogies. Because usually, if, if for example, Noni was a man, we would have easily spoken about her and spoken about her direct, as a direct descendant of this writing culture started by her, pater her paternal and maternal grandfathers, right? But we don't do that. We don't think about her as part of a dynasty. We don't think about her as someone who carries, you know, uh, who carries the mantle of writing and of documenting our histories and of documenting her present at that particular time. We also don't think mm. about the women in her life. Cecilia Makiwane was her aunt, um, mm -hmm. you know, and and, and the fact that she was the first black registered nurse, the fact that she also participated in anti-past campaigns and um, marched on Bloemfontein in 1913. We don't think about the fact that even as we think of these people, you know, uh, 
right? We don't think about them in tandem with the women that contributed and shaped uh, I'm going to ask a question on that because I am running out of time. Mm. Sorry there, Ms. Valela. But when you talk about the men who are not thought of in the same light as the women who would have carried in many instances their legacies and names, we had mm. Umamu Zondeni Sobukwe pass away a couple of years ago. And right. the fact that her funeral was marred as it was is just testament to how, if you like, the dignity of women in the political struggle in this country has been dealt with, with a sense of dismissive disdain. Mamunyamega Goniwe passed away last week. The country isn't speaking about it, but everybody knows who Matthew Goniwe is, even though their child, Umbulelo Goniwe, who left parliament quite unceremoniously. Now we have a chance, at least, for instance, in Mamunzi Gibigo, who is the heart of her community in Ginsburg right now, and she carries that Biko name. Could we then mm. equally be risking doing everything that has happened to her predecessors, to her, given the fact that Ukoniwe is gone, nothing about her? The quagmire that was the funeral of Mamuzonde in Sobukwe. Could Mamubiko be worried that the women who are part of the same generation of these men who are celebrated are erased? I think. We are in a different time now, Sonia. I think we are in a period where we are sort of becoming a little bit awake to the importance of undoing the erasure that has happened, of undoing the damage um, um, that comes with that erasure, the silencing of these women and their stories, and the importance of their work. I like that you mentioned someone like Mamsidi Miko, who may not have necessarily, I mean, and this is something she speaks about, but not having been directly active in the movement. But when we think about the legacy of Steve Biko, she is the one that has curated that, um, you know, through the foundation, through constantly ex- demanding that this country and, the, and, the, and specifically the apartheid state take accountability for what happened to her husband. That, that, that work of keeping memory alive, that work of... Um, of keeping legacy alive is very important care work. It's very important intellectual work. It's very important activist work. And I think as we start to have these conversations, I mean, the fact that we are currently having this conversation right now Mm. um, Mm. speaks to the turning of the wheels, you know, of history where people are starting to take a keen interest in bringing these stories to the fore. And I think we need to just keep that up. We need to fund more people, fund more filmmakers, writers, and researchers in trying to unearth this history because it does take so much, you know, so many resources, and often they are mostly monetary resources to get that work out there, to travel to the places that are marginalized from, you know, uh, mainstream history in order to unearth those stories and in order to unearth those contributions that remain erased from, you know, our public archive, our public discourse. And of course, when we talk about the women, we are equally talking about Mrs. Nordia, the wife of Bayes Nordia, Mrs. Fisher, the wife of Advocate Brown Fisher, and many women who for them, it was almost treasonous to side with the oppressed majority African people as white people. They too have a special place in the democracy that was heralded, if you like, by what happened in the years between 89 and 94 in May. They equally should be celebrated as many of these names that we have canvassed ought to be celebrated. 
Yes, I agree with you. But I also want to add that we should also not just look at um, the women who were just wives. Um, there are many women who were never married. And, you know, I think that erasure is even worse because they aren't linked to a man. They don't have the privilege of a famous man so that they can be, you know, even mentioned as the wives of or widows of. There are women, there are queer women who are part of, who are part and parcel of this movement um, of forming the country that we now have and, you know, bringing about the democracy that we um, enjoy, um, who have contributed greatly, but we don't know their names because they don't have a man. They don't have a husband or father or brother that ties them to, you know, um, yeah, that sort of links them to, to, to the history that allows us to sort of see, oh, okay, there's a woman that's been erased. Let's talk about her. So we need to also think about those women too. And when we have this conversation, we need to think about the Nunzus in Quetos, the first poet published um, in 1920. And um, we don't think about her because she, we don't really know her husband, so we don't actually tell those stories. So we need to, in tandem with speaking about the wives of, insert name, we also need to think about the women who were never married, who contributed equally to the formation of our democracy. Most certainly, we do appreciate that. Thank you so much, then Zakona Valela, mentioning names like Molly Kricha, Ilsa, Weda, Nordia. These are the names who gave us democracy. These are the names that should be known and spoken of, not just necessarily because they were wise, but because they were freedom fighters in their own rights. Not because they were wives, but because they were single women who decided to take the struggle on for themselves, for their people, for their collective emancipations. Econa Valella, thank you then so much, ma'am, for your time. We do appreciate that. Everybody else, stay tuned. We do continue after this break.